This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 406 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, Kentucky Performance Products, and Fairfield in Lexington. Today we have judges Bill Warren and Bill McMullen joining us to talk about dressage from the judges' perspective. Karen Iceberg from KPB discusses feeding to prevent arthritis, and of course we have a great Total Saddle Fit trainer tip. This is Reese Coppler Stanfield from Loxahatchee, Florida. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. With our producer, Jen, this week. She's here doing all the technical things. Here I am. Hiding. I love it. Hello, everybody. We're back from our vacation. Well, not vacation. Phil, you were on vacation. I was on vacation. It was pretty awesome. You went somewhere wonderful, didn't you? Yeah, I went to Maui, Hawaii. Oh, don't go on the best (laughs) vacations, everyone. We're always like jealous here we've been uh, and sand and yeah it's pretty awesome place to go we we have palm trees and sand here it's just that in the 20 by 60 meter (laughs) yeah the sand (laughs) is all in little rings (laughs) i was in the sandbox i was also palm trees and sun and sand but a little different (laughs) no actually we had a great week here um it's actually been a lot of fun. You know, it's our last month here. Actually, it goes really fast when you finally sort of get down and get into season. And um, yeah, I did some new things this week, actually. Um, the last two days, I went to a Mary Wanless clinic, um, oh. which she's actually going to come on the show. She agreed. We just awesome. have to find some time. Uh, but it was really fun. I, Like I said, I, I was really went with a very open mind and, and wanted to you know, get new analogies and new ways to think about everything for, for you guys here on the show and, and for my own students at home. And, uh, so shout out to, I took Pam McKee's Marcus and he was just a super, super gem. He was a superstar and, uh, it was, it was quite a fun experience, uh, to learn something new and be open to a different system. I think, um, you know, it's, it's good. Always. There were some things I loved and maybe some things that I, wouldn't adapt in my normal practice, but overall it was, it was a lot of fun and a great experience. And, uh, and then today, uh, we went also to a long lining lesson. So there's been lots of fun kind of learning. Up, you're keeping up with your long lining, huh? I am keeping up with my long lining and, um, yeah. we haven't been, um, just, uh, last week I was busy and, and, and doing my FEI certification workshop and, and Richard, our, our instructor was out of town. So it's been a couple of weeks. So, uh, it was, it was fun to go on over and we took Mikey over our, our follow me went for a little field trip. Uh, we've, we've nice. talked about, yeah, taking horses off the farm and this doing was a stuff great, with them. Yeah, doing stuff, and and we were already taking the two kind of older horses, and 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 I had another person in from Kentucky, Jenna, my assistant, is here now, and so we had four people and three horses, and and it was a, a really also good outing for him. So uh, it was a good day, and definitely gonna sleep well tonight, <laughs> but a lot of fun stuff. And and Phil, you've got some news. The 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 Palm Beach Derby is actually going on. It's Thursday when it we was were today. Yeah. Yeah. So the Grand Prix was today. So tell us a little bit about it. 
Um, well, all I've got in the score is because neither of us have time to go and watch horse shows all the time, which we would love to do. No, but, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow we're going to go watch the special for a bit, I um, think. Yeah. Well, good, good, good. Uh, Casey Perry Glass is our winner today. And a special shout out to Olivia Lagoy Welts, who is a friend of the show and a friend of Reese and I, um, was second place with a 72.9. Uh, Casey won with a 73.4. Then awesome. uh, another friend of ours, she- Shelly Francis. I uh, was third. Uh, Chase Hickok was fourth. Oh, Arlene Page, Tooney mm-hmm. Page was fifth. Uh, Shelly Francis again on Dan- with Danilo. These horses have been going. She keeps those horses going, huh? Yeah, she does. It's fantastic. And yeah. that's fun to see. Shelly's a fe- really, really top rider, and she does. Yeah, she she keeps those rider. horses in the ring. She does an amazing job that way. Yeah, so. and then we have some Canadians. Uh, Megan Lane was, was at sixth or seventh. Seventh. Jill Irving, eighth. Uh, another friend of the show, Devin Kane. So, um, yeah, it looks like a successful show for for lots of riders. A huge Grand Prix class, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, congratulations and and uh, continued success for the rest of the weekend for these guys. I love it. I love it. Well, tomorrow is the special, and we're gonna hopefully watch that. And Saturday night is is I'm pretty sure the Grand Prix freestyle. So, uh, big week here in Wellington, and lots of stuff going on. So, uh, it will be fun. I'll have a a, a good good discussion we have some business to attend to we want to uh, make a special plug to the uh world equestrian games uh podcast radio show on the on the network here there this last week Mm. they if you missed it they covered the dressage uh portion so um these shows have been great they they cover everything that is going to be going on at the WEG, all the different competitions and and so if you uh, i mean our listeners know about dressage but they had uh, Pierre St. Jacques on uh, to talk. So if you want to catch up on that and all the other stuff going on, uh, you know, in preparation for the WEG, it's a, it's a great radio show. Right, Jen? It is. It's been a lot of fun. And they're, they're starting from, from the ground up, as you said. They're going through each of the disciplines that happen at the World Equestrian Games and sort of doing a, uh, a, a basics 101 so that if you're a carriage driver, you don't really know a lot about dressage, dressage-specific. Uh, to the eventing or to the World Equestrian Games, they kind of go over the basics so that when we finally get around to actually doing the competition, it's nice to know how it works. So they're, uh, mm-hmm. they're doing all the basics, and it was a really good episode. Love of it, of course, because dressage is interesting. Right? Dressage it's fun. interesting. That's <laughs> it's <right>. fun. <laughs> Very good. Well, excellent. Great plug. Well, right after this commercial break, we're going to come back with uh, the Bills, Bill Warren and Bill McMullen. Uh, They're actually my awesome neighbors here um, in White Fences, but they're going to talk. We're just going to have a fun roundtable discussion on judging. Fairfield Inn and Suites North by Marriott Lexington is the ideal hotel for you as they are the closest hotel to the Kentucky Horse Park. They have the most spacious guest rooms and suites in the area, and they're only four miles from downtown Lexington. Fairfield Inn and Suites North offers complimentary breakfast, free Wi-Fi throughout the hotel, free parking, a business center, an indoor swimming pool and jacuzzi, an outdoor patio with grill, laundry facilities, and much more. 
You get hungry, Cracker Barrel is located right next door, and there are four other dining options available within walking distance for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Of course, Lexington is known for the Kentucky Horse Park, University of Kentucky, Keeneland, and the historical Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Enjoy a terrific hotel experience while you're touring Lexington. There's no denying that the Lexington North Fairfield Inn & Suites is the best value in town and will meet all your hospitality needs. Just Google Fairfield Inn North Lexington and make your reservations today. Well, tonight we have a very special treat. They are my neighbors here in, in Loxahatchee, Florida. We have affectionately known as the Bills. We have Bill Warren and Bill McMullen on the line tonight. Welcome, gentlemen, to the show. Thank you for having us, Reese. Yes, we're very happy to be wanted. I love it. Well, you guys are, are both uh, both FEI riders, both FEI trainers and judges. So it's a lot of fun to have you both here. You're from Stoughton, Mass, Mass in the winter or in the summer and here in the summer. winter. Today, exactly. it felt like summer here in, in uh, Loxahatchee, Florida. It was, uh, I think it was close to 90. So it felt like summer. It was. So we're all, <laughs> all confused. And um, you guys are really a jack of all trades. You, you coach all day long, amateurs and, and riders and professional riders. But what we grabbed you for today was kind of a roundtable discussion on some judging pet peeves. We always, Phil and I always feel like we don't give the judges enough love. So uh, that's what we're going to start the discussion a little bit about, you know, what are some things, uh, you know, we always think the judges are are hard and not approachable and you guys are some of the most approachable people I know and really want to see riders succeed. So um, how about Bill Mack, if you want to get, get us started, what are some, well, I, I think one, one thing you just said is that the judges that we, you know, judges like to see riders succeed. And I think that's something that it's a perspective that is maybe not always uh, seen right from the, from the riders in the ring that a lot of them think that they're looking out that judges are trying to get them and, you know, and to, to give low scores, but it's, it, we really want to see success in the ring. It's a lot more fun to sit there at sea and judge and give nice scores to good riding, re, you know, reward good riding, especially and good horses and so on. Uh, so I think that's uh, something that, that people should really be aware of that uh, judges really would prefer to do that. Yeah. It's true. I, I don't think we're sitting there to only find faults with things in the performance, but to appreciate what goes right with it. And I think there's a misconception sometimes that we're only there to criticize, and, and that's really not not the case. And and as Bill already said, we we appreciate good riding, but we we want riders to succeed. And if someone has a bad day, then hopefully we can give them insight and what they can do to improve their performance, but we're not, we're not there um, against the rider. We want to be with them and for them. If one of us comes home from a weekend or a day of judging, I might ask the other one to say, well, did you give any nines or tens today? And mm-hmm. if yeah. you did, you definitely, you definitely remember it for sure. And you remember exactly what it was and who it was, or, you know, what the horse and the rider were doing and so on. You remember that for sure. So I was going to ask you guys, how do you balance, you know, giving a, a judging score and not getting into making too many comments or, or trying not to teach a lesson, you know, while you're in the, I think, you know, when you come from the perspective of trying to help people, how do you, you know, how do you just give scores and not want to do more than that? 
Can I take well, that's that through one? the judges' <laughs> training program, which goes for many years, as you probably know, to work through the levels of judging, but even starting in the L program, that uh, we're trying to give all our judges a good foundation and, and how to, to do that in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way. Because uh, it is very easy to get into, you know, it would be easy to turn it into giving a lesson and so on. But to be able to really identify the issue at hand and re- basically our judging is to report what happened at that movement and to come up with a, uh, you know, a score overall for the test and basically report it in a way that they and their trainer can then decipher and what how they are going to proceed. But it's really not for us to say, you know, how, how they're going to go about doing it. It, it's hard, but we can't sit there with our teaching hat on, which is um, not always easy to do since we wear a lot of hats. It's sometimes mm-hmm. you want to feel like you can jump in and give a riding lesson, but in, in doing that, we would get the arena so behind schedule that then <laughs> it's like for other mm-hmm. reasons. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. And so, so what are some things like, you know, again, it's easy sometimes, you know, we, we had a, our neighborhood horse show, uh, over here at here in, in white fences last weekend. And, and sometimes, you know, you get a score back and maybe as a rider, you don't agree with the score. So can, can you guys talk a little bit about, you know, some ways we've all done that. We've all been like, man, that was a 70%. Why did I get said score? So what are some ways that you guys as, as teachers, you know, like to go back through your tests with your students and, and go back through sort of, and, and figure out what the judge was, was thinking. Does that make sense? It it does, and I and I think and I say to riders, you have to understand all the components of each movement in the test, and really understand the directives of each box. Which a lot of riders, it never occurs to them to read the directives and and what it is we're really looking for. It's easy to say, okay, well, um, I thought I rode a correct shoulder in, but when you look at the box and it, it talks about the quality of the gate, the, um, the acceptance of the bend, and you know, so on. Um, there's there's more to each box than sometimes people realize. So I always tell people when they're a little bit disappointed, it's like you have to dig a little deeper and see all that's involved in each movement because it isn't only about. Um, well, let's say in in um, in third level of flying change, it might have been a correct flying change, but maybe it was not straight. Maybe the quality of the canter was not up to par. If you're, if you're coming from a four-beat canter and then you make a successful flying change, okay, um, you can say that was obedient and correct, but if the quality of the canter really isn't up to par, then it can't be a very high score. And yeah. a lot of riders don't understand all of that. Yeah. And no, another example is as a medium or extended trot, some, sometimes we have a separate score for the transitions, as you well know, but sometimes there's a medium or extended trot that doesn't have separate scores, so the, the transition is kind of included in the whole score for the medium trot. And somebody might feel like, they wow, they did this amazing medium or extended trot, but at the end, you know, they, they didn't carry the, the balance to the corner, which all goes to the next letter. Like if it goes HXF, that really that part of that movement, the next movement may not start till A when they go down the center line or something. So really part of that, even F to A, is really part of the medium trot score too. So if it's unbalanced and um, you know not accepting the aids correctly there, that can influence the medium trot score. We have called we call the modifiers. You have 
basically a formula for figuring out the score and looking at the uh, overall quality of the of the gait and uh, do they achieve what's needed in the movement and then we have little modifiers which could be things like i said at the end the beginning or the end of a medium trot where uh you know maybe you come down a half a point or possibly more depending what happens there yeah no i love i love that can you keep that discussion about the modifiers that's that's actually really an important thing and i personally didn't know that until i went through the judging training i had i had no idea what that meant so can you guys keep that discussion up about the modifiers that's We've never talked about those, and I think those are incredibly important. Right. Well, another example, like, I mean, we're talking, like, say, at training level in the 20-meter circle. I mean, think about all the things that we look at in that in that circle. Again, the, first of all, we're looking at the quality of the gait and then the acceptance of, of the aids and, you know, does it have the proper bend and balance and tempo in the circle? Um, but then other modifiers could be, you know, maybe it, it they're one meter shy of touching E or B on the side, you know, so it's really 19 meters or it's a little bit oblong. The shape of the circle isn't quite right. So that could be a modifier that maybe bring it down. There may be a beautiful quality trot and it may have been ridden well, but the circle wasn't quite the right size or placed, placed well. Those are things that could be little modifiers. Yeah. I think like you guys say that there's so much that goes into, you know, one movement, you know, there's so much that a judge has to look at. So I'm wondering, you know, what was the hardest thing, to learn or a ju- as, as a judge or, you know, what's, what are some difficult things about being a judge? Because I think most of us never really get the experience of sitting, sitting in the box and, and having to watch, you know, a lot of first level tests or, you know, whatever the level is and, and really going through and, and trying to assess. So, so talk to us a little bit about what it's like to, to be in that box and what are, what are the, are, are the struggles and the challenges? So addressing, um, the, the challenges sitting in the box and, and you know, when you sit there as, uh, as Phil, as you said, watching, say, a whole afternoon's worth of first level tests. Um, and it, sometimes at a, at a big show, you might have 20 or 30 of, of the same exact test all day is, you know, is, is staying one thing consistent in your scale and your, you know, and being very confident in what you can come up with a number uh, so that the horses all get placed correctly. Um but, you know, really thinking about uh, making sure that the score you give on when you give a, a seven or whatever for this horse doing a certain movement, then when the next horse comes in and does it better, you better be ready to make sure that you show a difference, that you go up to the 7.5 or 8 and, and down appropriately also. But I think that's the main thing is really being consistent with your with your with your judging scale. And, um, and we hope with all the judges training that we've gone through and that judges go through now, starting with the L program, that that's the, the most important thing that's really driven home, that we get really confident at, at the different levels at being able to give the appropriate scores for the right movement. Um, and, and just staying consistent within that, that you're not suddenly going, you know, two tests later that suddenly you give the same thing, a different score because you liked whatever it was. But, uh, if that makes sense. And Bill, Bill Warren, what do you what what is your thoughts on on the well, topic? Especially when we go to a big show, or if it's championships, and we have very large classes, it can be sometimes stressful. Going, you know, oh my God, am I going to get the placings right? And you know, you hope you can do justice. And Stephen Clark told me a long time ago. He said the best way to to deal with that situation is to just judge each box honestly from your heart and how the arithmetic comes out is the way it comes out 
you're going to have good horses and riders come in that have problems and you're going, your marks are going to, you know, sometimes be a little bit low in certain areas. And then you might have another situation where it's um, a more average horse and that's very well ridden and that performance sometimes can can come out a little bit ahead if the other one, you know, had problems. But you can't worry about certain things. And if you just judge each performance separately and you judge each box honestly from your heart, the numbers are going to come out how they come out. And don't try too hard to find the winner. The winner finds itself. That's so interesting. That's, that's, yeah. Ever since he told me that, I've tried to hold on to that because um, if, if you try too hard to and stress about where you think certain horses and riders come out, you're not going to be consistent. So it's yeah. better to just sit back and, and separate each box on each horse. You, you give the, the mark that you see and how it all plays out in numbers is how it comes out and the winner does find itself. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Good perspective. So I think one of the last things we want to ask you is, um, you know, personally, when you have riders going down the, the center line, you know, what are some big things that you see consistently that sort of is a pet peeve that you don't like to see in the ring or that you see a lot of rider mistake, the same mistake that a lot of riders are making uh, when you're judging? Maybe we can help our listeners to, to clean up those problems. Well, <laughs> this is, I don't know if I want to say it's a pet peeve, but let's face it, in the last few years, our sport has changed. When it comes to our riding attire now, we have so many choices now, so much bling to choose from. And and I think that is not a bad thing. But I think riders have to be careful um, what things they choose for their helmets, what things they choose for their coats, because I've seen it. If you have a rider that doesn't sit so well, sits crooked on a horse, and you have these nice, beautiful jackets that have the pinstriping that actually curve, <laughs> oh. curve inward, and you have bling attached to it as well, and then when they do something going away from the rider, it's blaring to the judge then how crooked that person sits. And then it works the same on a helmet, <laughs> which they're very beautiful and People pay a lot of money for them, but if you have the kind of unstable position and a very bouncing head and it's full of bling, that stands out how unsteady <laughs> things are. So I think riders have to be careful in choosing what what they're going to come down the center line in because it can sometimes make little things seem even more outstanding when it's um, done in the wrong way. I love that. You're the first judge that I've actually heard say that. And I, I as a trainer, sometimes I'm like, oh, you don't want to wear that. Coat. <laughs> you, you <laughs> so tell us about like, t okay, so I love the bling discussion. What about the colors of the coat? Do you have any feelings on those? Like, I mean, sometimes you see light blue or maroon or <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I think in the freestyle, the colors are, are, or can be fun and, uh, you know, and whimsical sometimes <laughs> in a way to a, to a point with the music and so on. But in the, in the standard tests, I think, you know, staying with the darker colors seems, seems to be, to be better and not to draw a whole lot of attention if you can help it. Unless you're really good, right? Then you can. Right. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think if you're, da if you're daring to wear either a lot of bling or a different color, then it, it 
you better be presented be presenting everything quite nicely. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. We've never yeah. talked about it, and I think it's so important because, like you were saying, Bill Warren, like it's great. I I think colors are great, and people can express themselves sometimes, but sometimes it's maybe not the best idea. So I would consult your (laughs) friend and or trainer and let them give you an honest feel. So Bill Mack, what what would your pet peeve be or, or, you know, something you want to tell our listeners? Well, if we're in, if we're talking about turnout a little bit, going still a, a little bit down that road right now, I think, you know, when I sit there and judge, you get in looking really at the movements and so on. And I don't really I mean, unless something, the, the turnout is sort of nor- normal to be, you know, the expected turnout, the braids are nice and the colors are good or whatever that they're in, you know, conservative colors and so on and ride well, then those things, I don't, sometimes I don't even notice those things, you know, but, but when, if something is outstanding, like if the braid, like if it's a really bad braiding job that jumps out at you, you know, or if the color, something does that, then that stands out even more. But um, yeah, yeah, but I think more more important than all these things that we could talk about or whatever is obviously we're looking and, and really wanting to reward good riding. I think that's the most important part if we're you know if we're talking about what our what we really want to see the most of is is, is precise riding and um, you know people really trying to to do justice with their horse and uh, to present it in a good way. I love it. Well, and, and, and again, I, uh, you guys are, are such a great example of people that are very approachable and, and we'll, we'll discuss and, and talk about this stuff. And I think it's super important for all our listeners to know that, you know, judges go through a tremendous amount of training and, uh, judges don't make a lot of money. You're, it's easier on the trainer side from the, the standpoint of, of the financial part. And you guys take a lot of time and, uh, you know, being here and, and, and taking time for all our listeners. So thank you both for coming on. Um, uh, Bill Warren, do you want to just tell us how our listeners could, or catch you guys online, uh, and find you guys in the Boston area? Well, we have our, our, um, website, Warren McMullen dressage, and we also have a Facebook page and those are probably the two best ways to reach us. Um, we're not always, accessible on telephone, but we do um, answer texts and our numbers can be found um, on, on our website. There's an email link obviously on the website as well. Great. And what is the email? Yeah. What is the email? Email is W M E I N C at earthlink.net. Fantastic. Thanks you guys for both coming on this evening. Well, thank you guys for having us. We appreciate it. It was fun. We do appreciate it. Thanks a lot. They had been together for years, since he was just a colt. When he got stubborn, she would gently coax him on. When he got scared, she would reassure him and stroke him gently on the neck. She spent hours building his confidence, his strength, his balance, teaching him to dance. Pirouette, passage, piaf, the final salute. The crowd jumped to its feet and cheered. It was the moment they had spent a lifetime training for. But all she could think about was how special he was and how she loved him. This love story is brought to you by Endure Extra, providing high-fat calories, direct-fed microbials, and natural vitamin E to support optimal condition and performance. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today.
Well, tonight we are so happy to have our monthly segment with the president of Kentucky Performance Products, Karen Isberg. Karen, welcome to the show this month. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I always enjoy coming on to the dressage show. It's so much fun. We love it. And we've got a really important topic tonight. Uh, you, you brought this up yesterday and I was like, absolutely. We are going to talk about arthritis in the older horse. And I think as dressage riders and trainers, we deal a lot with this. So I think it's a great topic. So can you get us started with some comments on arthritis in the older horse? Oh, sure. Well, you know, horses are just living so much longer these days. You know, we have improved management. We have better nutrition. We have better veterinary care. And, I, you know, just about anybody you talk to has an older horse, either that they're using consistently or that has retired in their backyard. So, you know, we always get a lot of questions about how folks can help, you know, these older horses do better over time. And, you know, arthritis is just, I mean, it's a fact of life. It's, it's a degeneration of the articular surfaces of the joint. And it's caused by just normal wear and tear. Normal wear and tear causes inflammation in the joint, and that leads to an erosion of the different structures in the joint. And older horses are particularly uh, susceptible to this because, you know, as, as do older people, you lose elasticity in your tendons and ligaments. Um, there's, there's the fibrous tissue starts to die off, which, which leads to a thinning of the joint cartilage. And all of these changes just reduce your horse's natural shock absorbing capabilities. And it just, you know, there's just more trauma to the joint as the horse gets older. So this is what causes the susceptibility and why you see it more often in an older horse. It's just, it's kind of natural aging. Now, of course, if you've had a horse that's had an injury, then sometimes you can get arthritis um, sooner than later if, if it's caused by an injury. But Early detection is the most important, and decreasing that inflammation is really important. And nutritionally, how, how do we deal with this? You know, how can we feed our horses the best to, to help prevent um, this condition? Well, the best thing to do is, is to use nutritional strategies to decrease inflammation. Um, one of the best ways to do that is to, is to start your horse on a joint supplement and to do that when they're younger. And just maintain them on that, you know, over, over time. Um, the ingredients in the joint supplement, the glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate, um, hyaluronic acid, they all help to nourish the joint and, and decrease the inflammation and hopefully just kind of slow that whole wear and tear process. So that, that would be the first thing I would recommend to anybody is to just put your horse on a, on a good joint supplement. Another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that um, um, omega-3 fatty acids that are found um, in some plant sources, but mostly the marine sources of omega-3 fatty acids, are very anti-inflammatory in nature. Um, so if you feed your horse omega-3 fatty acids, you can, you can reduce the amount of inflammation that they have in their systems. And it, it, it works in the joint as well as in other parts of the body. I love it. And you said, you talked about starting it when the horses are younger. When? I mean, you know, that's always the big question for me is like, okay, I have a healthy young guy or lady. When do you start them? When's the good time to do that? I start, I, for me personally, I start a joint supplement as soon as I start working a horse. Um, I just think it's, it's just a good idea to good maintenance to do that. Um, as far as, um, the omega-3 fatty acids, um, 
I have both of my upper level horses on an omega-3 fatty acid. And that is, again, to reduce inflammation. And it doesn't reduce inflammation just in the joints, but it reduces inflammation throughout their system. And anytime that you can reduce inflammation, then because inflammation typically causes damage. So if you can do that, that's, that's the most important thing to do. Um, as far as feeding is concerned, um, fats that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids, um, fibers, hays, and grasses are higher in omega-3 fatty acids. So you want your horse's diet to consist um, mostly of those types of, of um, feedstuffs. You want to stay away from um, oils that are high in omega-6 fatty acids. That would be like corn oil. Um, because those are actually pro-inflammatory. And also grains tend to be have more omega-6 fatty acids in them, and those are also pro-inflammatory. But it's a balancing act because your horse needs both omega-3s and omega-6s. You just want to have more 3s um, than, than you'll typically find in, in most equine diets. So it's always a good idea to, to start with the omegas. Now, if you have a horse that you know, you've had for a long time and he's been on a joint supplement, but you're just starting to see old age creep in and, you know, he's getting a little stiff, he's getting a little puffy around his joints, or there may be some joint pain that you've determined isn't from an injury, then you can start them on the omega-3 fatty acids and that will help slow the process. Now, Karen, there are a lot of products out there that, um, that are, you know, that are designed for, for joint health and all that. Uh, how do we determine what, you know, what's important in a joint? So what are we looking for when we're looking at the labels and trying to figure out, because I know there's a ton of price points that, you know, we're trying to figure that out. It, it seems like you need a degree to, in, in nutrition to sort of try and, and sort through all that. Yeah, it's really tough. Um, I would go with a, with a reputable company, a company that, you know, you've heard of before. Um, they have a reputable website. You've, you've talked to other people that have used their products. I tend to stay away from products that have a lot of herbs in them. Um, now, there, is, there hasn't been a lot of research in herbs. Also, there's not a, regula- a lot of regulation over the herbs. Um, so you're never really 100% sure of what the strength of the herb is that you're getting in your product. So I tend to be really careful with those products that have herbal remedies. I like to stick to um, the products that have a combination of glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate in it. You want to get that at at high enough levels. There's two types of glucosamine, HCL and sulfate. So typically a combination of both of those is good. You want around 5,000 milligrams of glucosamine. Glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate, they're big molecules and the horses don't absorb them very well. So you have to make sure you feed enough. So that's the key in a joint supplement is picking one that has enough of of each of the ingredients in it. Um, Hyaluronic acid is another ingredient that you'll find in many joint supplements. So if you can get one that has all three of those ingredients, then you've pretty much run the board and you want to look for around 100 milligrams of hyaluronic acid it would be the minimum of what you would want to find in a joint supplement. And then chondroitin sulfate around, around 1200 milligrams. Okay. So can so you, you got those one, in there? You're, you're yeah, looking can, pretty good. Can you, can you just say that again? Super. Cause yeah, my non-science brain just went, huh? So can you say that again? <laughs> you need, you need all three of them. Can you can, and tell us just, can you re- just repeat that? <laughs> okay. So the glucosamines. So you want glucosamine, chondroitin sulfate, and hyaluronic acid. Those are the three things that you, you certainly want to look for. You want to have at least that in your joint supplement. 
The glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate actually work together. If you have one and not the other, then they're not as effective. So you want to see them together. And you're looking for a maximum of about, you're looking, not a maximum, but you're looking for about 5,000 milligrams of glucosamine. And it can be a couple of different types as long as it adds up to around that. And then about 1,200 milligrams of chondroitin sulfate. Got it. And then your hyaluronic acid would be around 100 milligrams. So the glucosamine and the chondroitin sulfate, they work, they, they provide the building blocks for the cartilage that's in the joint. And the hyaluronic acid, that acts more in the synovial fluid, which is that, that lovely fluid in there that, that acts like the oil in the joint. You know, it just lubricates everything and keeps that joint moving nice and flexible. And so those are the things yeah. that you're looking at. You, you'll find that some, some folks will put MSM in theirs. Magnesium sulfate is another ingredient that's good to look for in a joint supplement. Sometimes it's cheaper to, if you want to get the MSM, it's just cheaper to buy that. Um, it's an Separately. Separately. Ingredient and feed it separately to the horses that you're really having problems with. Yeah. Got it. And, and now when it comes to some of the other products we've talked about, like not exactly like all hyaluronic acid is the same is, or, 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 you know, is that, I'm just making that up. Is there a, a type you want to look for or, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, how do you know if it's good quality? Does that make sense? Well, again, I think the best thing to do is just to, is to go with a reputable company. Okay. Because the reputable companies, the good companies like our company, I mean, we we source the best types of ingredients that are out there. So we're not out to cut corners. We use the same we use the same sources um, all the time because we know that they're good quality. So that would be, I think, that's the best recommendation that I could make is go with a with a reputable company, and then you're pretty safe. And as far as the omega threes, the omega three fatty acids. Um, you definitely want to find one that has a marine source. The research that's been done on inflammation, especially in, in arthritic horses, has been done with marine sources of omega-3 fatty acids. And those sources are called EPA and DHA. I'm not even going to try to pronounce those words for you, what they mean, but that's what you want to look for. So yeah. it's fish oil. It's fish oil. And that's that they're the ones they have. Um, there's just a difference in molecule size in some of the different omega threes. And they have found that the EPA and the DHA are a longer chain and that they're just beneficial as far as reducing inflammation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everybody, as you can see, Karen is such a great resource on, and, and I ask these questions and, and I have to sit down with my pad and paper and take notes because she really is a wealth of information. And um, Karen, Karen, how would our listeners find you online to, at Kentucky Performance Products? Okay, well, they can go to um, our website, kppusa.com, or they can call us up on 859 859- 873-2974. We're also on Facebook. And we have a great joint supplement called Joint Armor. And then we have an omega-3 fatty acid called Contribute. And if you get on our website and um, search for those products, there's all kinds of information, not only about the products themselves, but the research behind them. 
Fantastic. And everybody, Karen is is honestly this easy to talk to in person. She's fantastic and, and is very patient with someone like myself who has to write it down and, and she's wonderful. So Karen, thank you as always for coming on. And this was a great segment about arthritis in our older horses. We all deal with it, especially in the dressage world. Um, and we thank you so much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I always love to come on to the dressage show. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. So, Phil, for our Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, we have an email question from one of our listeners, which, as you guys know, we love them. Send them either by Facebook or to Phil and I. We love it. So, Jen, uh, what you got for us? We actually, this is a game time. We don't even know what this is. She held it. For us, <laughs> Tom, I have she uh, loved the idea. We did it. What was it last week or the week before? Yeah. We did it. Just like I, I told you guys that I was going to just read it because yeah. I knew it early. And then that, now Jen loved no, that so Jen much. Loved it. She's, She's going to keep us. doing it. Yes, like to tell the truth or something. Truth or dare? Yeah. Not, not going to lie. Just had a sip of wine. I'm ready. Let's <laughs> do this. Uh, this was an email I got from a a listener. I'm assuming. Otherwise, why would they email us a few weeks back? And <laughs> her name is Karen. Interesting, except this is a Karen. Thank you, Karen. At my last horse show, the judge told me I needed a longer leg. But when I got home, I tried lengthening my stirrups and I couldn't keep my heels down. How mm-hmm. and do you have any suggestions on how I can make my legs longer? Ooh. Oh, this is well, a good one. I think the first first thing is you have to be born with them. That helps <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You just waiting for that. So my mom and my dad did a good job there. Yeah, Phil and I were given that gift by God, but or my parents. So if if that's well, it not doesn't the mean case. that we don't have to work on it. I absolutely. I mean, I did learn a lot. Yeah. Yep. So why don't you start us out here, Reese? No, not yeah. Now the jokes are done. Now the jokes are done. Now now it's true. So it is very true. And and I I, I as long also with Phil have very long legs. So um, but one of the things we have to work on all the time is having it, it it doesn't have to do with the length of stirrup actually if sometimes if you lengthen your stirrup it, it makes it worse so one of the things that I like to do when we have some time and it's still kind of winter and yucky up north uh, you know when I lived in Germany I wrote six months solid lunch lessons every day without stirrups and I will tell you that is actually the best way to learn how to do it is to take your stirrups away. Uh, we joke at our farm, it's no stirrup November. It's kind of joking and it's kind of not. Um, but I do kind of go through the tack room November 1st and pull stirrups on certain horses and certain for certain people on horses. Again, you have to have the right horse. Like, don't take it away. I'm, there's a couple that I won't take my stirrups away, but you know, what you're doing is taking the stirrups away um, and lengthening your leg and, and letting gravity help you a lot of times. A lot of times, you know, you want to pinch at your knee or you pinch it in your thigh um, and that will draw your leg up. And, you know, obviously gravity, we want to use gravity and let gravity help us relax our leg. And I, I say hang like spaghetti, you know, spaghetti, if you hang it around something, it will just cover whatever you hang it on. And that's sort of the idea for me is just to let your leg hang down and against the saddle and soft. Um, 
and not pinching and drawing up. So sometimes if you lengthen your stirrups, like you were saying, uh, Karen, that you end up on your toes, which is very normal. Um, that's not what it is. So I would go, so go ahead and shorten your stirrups again. Make sure that your foot can be level once you put the stirrup against your foot um, and that it has to be comfortable um, and you have to be able to drop your leg, but put a little bit of weight in your heel, not a ton of weight, but a little bit of weight in your heel. Um, so that would be my biggest suggestion is look at your length of stirrup, but also um, make sure if you can ride without stirrups, that will make you stronger. Phil, how about you? Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there with it's not, you know, how long your stirrups are, but how you use your leg. Right. And so very common issue is is, you know, gripping onto the saddle to hold you on top of the horse. Mm -hmm. But uh, as you develop, I think this is where the core muscles uh, of, you know, from your hip upwards as you develop those, you can slowly learn to relax your legs and you're still going to stay in the saddle. So, um, you know, even in, uh, if you're, you know, if you're riding with a shorter stirrup, uh, if you're riding jumping or, 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 you know, doing some cross country or something, um, I can certainly shorten my stirrup, but having, doing that, I have to remember not to grip with my knees. So I always try and keep the most contact with the saddle or the horse um, between my lower leg and the horse and not, nothing from the knee upwards. So I don't want to be using my thighs to stay in the saddle. I don't want to be using my thighs to ride or my knee. I just, you know, sort of, I try and hold the horse with my lower leg and, and really have my calves on the horse. And, and to just remember that all the time, no matter what you're doing, even if it's in walk, you have to teach your leg, you know, through muscle memory to, to be used in the right way and for the upper part to stay relaxed so that you can absorb the horse's motion. If you're using your thighs or your knees, your your hip is going to become disjointed a little bit, just a little tight, and and not going to be able to do its job. So you're you're working against yourself trying to to sit better. So, I mean, it's a long a long long process. And if you just focus on that, I like to focus on it. You know, when I get on, and you know, in the warm up phases, you know, and and when the horse is allowed to relax and stretch then I'm, I'm working on myself and I'm saying today I'm going to do a little bit better job of, of keeping my lower leg on the horse and a, little, and a little bit less of my upper leg on the horse. And over time, you, you just improve and the more riding you can do, the better you'll get. That's, a, that's, hmm. that's about it. There's no magic. No, there's magic no magic here. Practice. Practice. That's right. Practice. And, um, Try and keep things relaxed. Keeping your leg relaxed and it's not... The job of your leg is not to keep yourself in the saddle or on, on the horse. Yep. Everything else does that. So maybe we should have, a, instead it. of having just no stirrup November, we should also have uh, no stirrup Mondays or something. Actually, not <laughs> that idea. Honestly, to, to, to make yourself do it. I mean, that's a big thing that they do in Europe. I mean, everybody rides without stirrups for a very long time. And we, we don't do that. Yeah. I mean, I literally rode every day. Oh, it's the most uncomfortable horse on the planet. His name is Tomboy. I, I will give Tomboy a treat someday when I see him again in heaven. Uh, but my God, that horse, God, we bounced on that horse so much. But uh, it really was six months of, of sitting on that horse, and, and it really did change and, and, and get better. Michael has a funny story about that. He tells quite often. I've heard it a couple of times where he, you know, his dad sent him to, uh, to ride in Austria at the Spanish riding school, and they made him... 
right on the lunch line with no stirrups for quite some time he, yeah and he was like don't you know <laughs> and he, who and I so am? he was like young and a teenager <laughs> and he he thought he knew everything and, and then he made him do that to humble him and yeah but you know he says it makes you a better rider right to really focus on just positional things you know and correct those all the time yeah yeah it's so true um, he still tortures me about that every day <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a little a little bit of practice a lot often so there we yeah, go Car- exactly. karen with a c Answer good luck question. karen with the c good job good question this tip was brought to you by total saddle fit the shoulder relief girth that reese and philip both love And here's why. The Saddle Fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the Shoulder Relief Girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, guys, it's been a great show tonight. And as always, we love emails and Facebook shout outs. So keep them coming. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. The best way to find me is on Facebook and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show and don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>